Hello, everybody. This is David Goldsmith, and welcome to the Age of Infinite. Throughout history, humans have made significant transformational changes, which in turn have led to the renaming of periods into what we call ages. You've personally just experienced the information age and what a ride it has been. Now consider that you might right now be living through a transformational age into the age of infinite, an age that is not defined by scarcity and abundance, by a redefining lifestyle consisting of infinite possibilities and infinite resources. The ingredients for an amazing sci-fi story that has come to life as together we create a new definition of the future. The podcast is brought to you by the Project Moon Hunt Foundation, where we look to establish a box with a roof and a door on the moon, a moon hut, through the accelerated development of an earth and space-based ecosystem, then to use the endeavors, the paradigm-shifting thinking, and the innovations and turn them back on earth to improve how we live on earth for all species. And today we're going to be exploring another amazing topic, uncovering another dimension of space. And we have with us Ron Livna. How are you, Ron? Fantastic, David. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, Ron is the Director General of the Ramon Foundation since 2015. And the Ramon Foundation was named after Elon Ramon, who died in the Columbia accident in 2010. An organization focused on leading groundbreaking discoveries in the space industry through all different sorts of mechanisms. And he and I met in 2017 while I was in Tel Aviv through mutual friend Offer Lepid. And we had an amazing discussion. And the discussion led to how they were educating students throughout Israel, his, uh, the desires to reach and change the future. And it was, it's, uh, I, I just couldn't wait to get you on the program. So you're here today. I can't wait. Do you have uh, some bullet points for us that we're going to follow today? Yeah, well, well, I have some some bullet points on outline. Uh, I'd love to start discussing by talking about the paradox of of the 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 present of of education, of the education systems or and the education methods that uh, humanity is using today. Okay. And then I think that this one will lead us to talk about different dimensions of of space. When, when I'm talking about space, we'll, we'll discuss the different dimensions because I'm not necessarily talking about the space industry or space research or the space market. Okay. Okay. Uh, and at the end of the day, I, I'd like to talk about uh, our purpose in life, about my own maybe, on, on your purpose in life and how space fulfills this purpose. Um, that, that, I think that, that this is pretty much it. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, so let's start with the first one, the paradox of, of the present of education. Yeah, so before dipping in, whenever, you know, uh, as, as you, you mentioned, I'm an Israeli, so my, my, my mother tongue is, is, is Hebrew, and uh, my bachelor degree is in literature, so I really love languages, and, and I love reading books from ever since I was a child. So whenever I'm stuck in a relationship, and when I'm talking about a relationship, it doesn't necessarily, obviously, a romantic relationship, but, you know, talking to someone or start working with him, I'm always apologizing for, for the language barriers because at the end of the day, in Hebrew, it sounds better, but I think that the person who cannot express exactly what he thinks freely, uh, his freedom is limited. 
And uh, so, so I, maybe I'll have some difficulties here. And I, 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 you and I sat for hours. I have yeah. no challenge. You're going, I don't believe you'll have any challenge with me at least. And having lived in Europe and having lived in, in Hong Kong, uh, I do understand language barriers, but that to me is the texture and richness of life. It's to explore how definition, the same word means something to one person and something else to somebody else. So I find that a richness and a value, not a, a separation. All right. Good. So let's kick off. Okay. So, um, so, so you know, you just talked about the, the Ramon Foundation. The Ramon Foundation, uh, I came to the foundation in 2015. I uh, was uh, recruited by Rona, the late Rona Ramon. Uh, Rona was the, the, the widow of Ilan Ramon, the first Israeli astronaut, and the mother of Asaf Ramon, Captain Asaf Ramon, who died in an Israeli Air Force uh, uh, a, a plane accident. And she founded this nonprofit, which was really inspiring, that did edu mainly education. Today, we're also empowering uh, space tech. Uh, startups and the space tech scene here in Israel. Really? You, you've yeah, now yeah, expanded? Well, wow, okay. Yeah, but we had a very good three years, uh, three, three, four years since, since we last met. Uh, but, but you know, I, I didn't came from an education uh, nonprofit. So, I mean, I never did an education except for, I don't know, the, the studying in school and in university. And uh, when I came across the, the foundation and started actually running it, I, I met all of the wonderful education ed, educators who worked in the foundation. And we started asking them about uh, their purpose in life, what are they doing in the, the nonprofit, how they're inspiring children. And uh, I came from, I, I did business consulting. So I kind of like tried to set KPIs for everything and was very outcome oriented. And I, we, I think that I, I faced a very big difficulty. I mean, because uh, I didn't know how do we, you set KPI for, for education. I mean, what do you think, David? How, how do you I, think? I, I, you know, I, you I'm, I'm asking myself the question, when it comes to education, it's such a variable. How do you know that your, the school that you went to is, was a good one? The typical measures are getting a job and doing, but I... My wife, which who's amazing at this, had never looked at education the way I had. She had always said to the children growing up, your schooling is only 10% or 5% of your life. And that, that there's so much more that you learn from everywhere else. So she actually measured it differently than I did. I looked at it as a degree that would give you opportunities. She saw it as just a stepping stone to even bigger and bigger. And post-education, I would say that I learn so much more and, and in a better condition, better position after that I was in university than while I was in university. Yeah, so I had one of my employees, he, he said that uh, education is, is what's left after you, you uh, forget all, everything that you learned in school. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they said. And other people kind of said, listen, there is a, you know, the formal education that you get in elementary school and high school and after that bachelor degree and maybe, maybe you're doing an MBA or, or a master's and a PhD. Uh, but there is also a non-formal uh, education. Uh, mm -hmm. You grow up and you learn how to, to be involved in society, how to interact with people, what are your values. Um, but what I tried to focus on was how do you know that your school was good 
and uh, and and the paradox here of of the all of the education systems today is that you can't measure school by the by the by its grades, right? Because right. at the end right. of the day, you mentioned that that you said, listen, let's take it to the 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 easiest one, easiest uh, way to measure uh, schools, and that is uh, to see how much the graduate all of the people yeah they got it they got a job and therefore yeah. they were it's a yeah, terrible but, but, terrible metric yeah but here here's the problem you see i mean 70 percent of middle the middle school children today will work in jobs that doesn't exist today i mean a child that goes to israel in israel now for first grade it's 2021 will graduate will will enter the labor market at least here in israel it's 12 school years of school three years in the arm and then let's say three more years he's doing a bachelor degree that's like 18 years from now that's 2039 and he yep. will retire at the age of 67 at least here in israel it's meaning 2081 i mean 12 years ago there were no smartphone. I think that, I don't yeah. know, iPhone 1 was introduced in 2008, right? Mm -hmm, something like so. that, yes. 13 yeah. years ago in 2008. Uh, 20 years ago, we had no internet in every household. 35 years ago, we had no computers. I mean, most of the apps that I'm using today didn't exist when I finished high school. So, I mean, how so, can you... So, how, how, old are, how old are you? I'm 37. Okay. So, so but I mean... How can well, you prepare children to an unknown future, right? See, see, when I graduated from high school, you didn't exist. Yeah, but think about the technology <laughs> shifts. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, I, it's I amazing. That when I was a child, I remember my granddad talked to me about the fact that all of, all of the children went to this big building to the town hall uh, in, in Romania in, in a small village called Dej. And they listened to this box that had voices from Bucharest, from the, the capital of Romania. And he said, wow, that was amazing. That was amazing. This was the first radio in, in his, his village. And, and he, he used to say, and now I'm, I'm doing Skype with, with my grandson, which is phenomenal. My brother uh, studied, studied, did his PhD in Berkeley and he used to do Skype with my granddad. So, I mean, technology shifts so fast today that we are trying, what we need to do, and here is the paradox, is that we need to prepare children into an unknown future. And, and, and this is a very big issue today in education systems. So what we figured out, uh, and, and are, I mean, and, and again, if you're trying to set KPIs, and, and again, I'm coming from business consulting, do you need to have the same program for all of the children? I mean, the, the, the foundation handled back then with the youth at risk and with gifted children. And the gifted children in Israel, at least, are going to, to, to initiate and start their own startups, and they will compete with all of the global high-tech companies in the world. And the youth at risk will probably battle to get their family out of the poverty line. Do we need to set the same program for each and every one of them? Um, and, and, and I think that the, this was like the key issue that one of the key issues that we were facing when we, when I came to the foundation. Um, so you, so I, let me get this right. What you're saying is your challenge was that you saw that each child had its own separate needs and then there was one system and you knew that they had to be met at different in different places. Yeah, so, so one, 
we know that we are not quite sure that what we're teaching the children will be still relevant in, in 10, 15 years, right? Yeah. In five years. Second, we see different children with different, we're coming from different backgrounds and we're asking ourselves, do we, can we set the same program to each and every one of them? And uh, one of the things that, that came in across is that one of the, the actually with the, uh, one, one of the employees and basically said, well, well, why are we focusing always on the material, on the knowledge that we need to, to provide with all of the, all of the different children? Why aren't we focusing and emphasizing on different tool sets that we need to emphasize them? And we came across to this very interesting work of the, the World Economic Forum that basically said um, uh, that, that smart education systems need not to focus on knowledge, but on tools, on skill sets, on competencies, on literacies, and on uh, character qualities. Uh, and this was kind of a breakthrough. So, so we did all of this, this, this nice work. We cut it into to, uh, a one-pager. Uh, this was like a thought that we had. And, and, and I think back then I was still a consultant. I didn't came to the foundation. I wasn't the CEO then, but, but they drew, drew this thing out of conversation with the different uh, employees of the foundation and with other experts. And I came to the late Rona Ramon, who was this founder of this, this nonprofit, and presented her with a concept in which we, we are going to do uh, 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 education. We're going to, to not work on the children's grade but to do literacies, competencies, and character qualities. And, uh, and then she, she looked at me and said, and I told them, and obviously we're the Ramon Foundation, so uh, uh, we're still going to teach the children space and aviation, because Elon was a, a fighter pilot in the Israeli Air Force, and we're going to do it, uh, we're going to teach them aviation and space, but we're going to focus on competencies, literacies, and character qualities and what do you think she replied yes of course <laughs> basically said yes of course but why are you emphasizing space yeah so yeah i, I told her but you know ramon foundation when i am after ilan ramon and uh, the, 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 i mean it, we focus on space i actually think that the space side of it and i've shared our story of the two of us meeting and i was fascinated by the discussion is that you're teaching a, a variable that is unknown in the middle of known constructs. And therefore you get people to expand their thinking beyond even just living on earth. And I think that adds a, another layer, another texture to a person's ability to rethink and reformulate. So yeah, I think the combination of time to space, but I, I, I think so there's even more to it. What basically Rona hinted is that is exactly that. She said, listen, that, that's really good, great thoughts about literacies and competencies and character qualities, but when you're looking in space or aviation, they're not your target. I mean, she, she basically said there are tens of nonprofits all across the world, tens of programs, space programs, educations uh, that, that are doing and teaching space. Space is not is not a goal. Space is not a target. Space is an instrument. Yeah. She said, uh, "I didn't know Ilan Ramon. 
uh, in person. I read his diaries and, and, I knew his and I know his family. And what they basically believe in, or what Elon believed in, is that space is simply a tool to inspire people, to be make them be better people. So she said, that's fantastic. You can be in the domain of space, obviously, because we are space people, we are on foundation. Nevertheless, never forget that our paradigm, there are basically two paradigms in, 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 in space education today. One of them is the things that space is a major, right? That you need to, to, to study space like you're studying engineering or physics or medicine or whatever. Mm -hmm. And there are also one that says, listen, space is not a is, is not a subject. I mean, it is, but, but it's a domain that's very multidisciplinary uh, and it's meant to improve our lives uh, in every one of the different majors. So if, if you want to study biology, you can do it by, by you know, watching. Right, you can, uh, you can... Mars and, and grow potatoes on Mars. And you can study engineering and you can study philosophy and you can study uh, 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 literature. Correct. It's a, it's a location. It's, a, it's got a lot of dimension, but yet everything we do on Earth, it's a, if you were listening, I don't know if you heard me say that the reason for all of our work is we want to improve life on Earth for all species. So we are saying we take these endeavors, this paradigm shifting thinking, the innovations and all of those, the biology, the chemistry, the physics, all and turn it back on Earth so that it be it is a tool to be able to improve the lives of all species. So, yeah, this makes perfect sense. So it didn't make any any sense to me because I didn't realize. That oh, really? Yeah. 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 So, so I came to the foundation and started working and, and I realized that I need to focus on competencies, literacies. And, and oh, okay. Well, and what, what, what did you, what, when you, she said that to you, what did you think? I mean, I know you didn't think it, but what did you think? Like, she's crazy. This is not going to work. I don't get it. What, what, what didn't. Well, Rona was a very spiritual person. Okay. At the end of the day, I realized the fact that you don't want all of the children in the Ramon Foundation programs to, to become uh, space engineers, because obviously some of them won't be space engineers and most of them won't be astronauts, or at least not in the, the next decade, maybe after that, it will become, hopefully it will become much more common. But, but I, I mainly, I, I didn't realize the, the depth of what she said, uh, that you actually kind of, you know, you, you've been doing this for, for a while. So I came into the foundation and, and I met these children and we did this program called the Ramon Space Lab. It's, uh, operated. it's a very well-known program here in Israel. Uh, we have a competition that we're sending experiments into the ISS. Uh, actually, we're going to operate it next year also in Chile, hopefully in Rwanda and in Singapore, which is kind of exciting. And uh, I met these children and they planned uh, uh, a, a, an experiment that did uh, mold apples. Uh, they, they basically, they, they, their mentor told them uh, from the foundation, told them, listen, think about experiments. One of the children cut a green apple in his uh, kitchen. You know, after five minutes, oxygen came to the apple and the apple became rotten, right? Yeah. And, you know, this child thought, okay, what's, what will happen in space? So I'll cut the long story short. It, it's a very simple uh, experiment. Uh, they, they basically took an apple, sent it into uh, the ISS. The apple came back uh, uh, to the class. Uh, they left another piece of the same apple in their class. 
they wanted to look whether it's got rotten the same. Obviously, the mentor told them, listen, it doesn't work like this. Let's go to, the, to, to, to a lab about and look in a microscope. And obviously, uh, I, assume, I assume that you know that the, the, the different bacteria uh, that grew in space is totally different than the ones yeah. on Earth. Now, the interesting part that I realized then when, when I met these children is not the result of the experiment that they did, which was kind of successful and they, they published a scientific article with the professor that accompanied this experiment. The, the interesting part was, was the, 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 the process that they went through. I mean, uh, why an apple and not a cucumber or grapes or tomato or carrot? Do you know that? Why? Because of the oxidation speed in which you can see mm. the changes that or happen. How do you know to time the exact right. minute or second that the apple starting to get oxidized? I mean, maybe it's on the way to Florida, on the, the to Cape Canaveral when, when we sent it by DHL. Maybe it's on the way to other. I mean, they built an experiment uh, on their own from A to Z. Yeah. They timed it. Uh, they, 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 the kind of the, the Ramon Foundation mentor basically presented them with this question. He said, "Well, why are you using apples and not grapes?" Or what did they say? Why, what, I want to know. How can I, and and what, what did the, chil the children told him when he asked them this question? These questions. Yeah. How do you know how to time the? They told him we have no idea. So we told yeah. them, yeah. "Okay, so Google it." And the children googled. And they got into this professor who is an expert in, in oxygen. I have no idea how to say it in, in Hebrew. Oxygenation? Yeah. Oxygenation. From the Volcanity Institute in Israel. It's a very well-known international uh, institute here. Academic Institute does research on, on different uh, agritech and plants. And basically emailed him. The professor loved the fact that middle school children are doing this experiment. He invited them into his uh, laboratory and they built it together. Now, now th this was absolutely fascinating to see this class and the way that these guys interacted with all of the programs. But the, the, our mentor, which is an educator, basically only posed them with different difficulties and told them, listen, Google it. And why did he tell them this? And, and, and when I met these children at the end of the day, I saw children that have these 21st century skills and have competencies, right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, when you have a problem in, in Project Moonhat or in your business consulting or in one of the startups that you're investing in what yeah, are you doing yeah. when you have a problem you're yeah, googling yeah. you're googling you're looking for x but you don't open an encyclopedia i mean correct me if i'm wrong no but actually um, actually one of the things that i do is i do interviews exactly. so this, this is how i learn I, I i think i showed you and i end up with on an interview i end up with between 10 to 20 pages of notes. So I'm, I, I listen to everything that's going on. So yes. Uh, a, you're listening to everything. B, yeah. you instantly think when you meet a person, what's your value proposition for him? Because obviously you won't open his heart to anyone. So, so you need to open him up. Yeah. You're starting, you, you know, you, you, you're, you, you learn how to pitch. And this is what the children went through. They met, worked with three different professors from three different academic institutes. They had their pitch, they had their value person, they did it by, you know, by, by an instant, by reflex. And, and these children, I have no idea what they will do in 10 years from now, whether they'll have the, the startup for 
It's a skill set. It's a skill set with a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And when I met them and I told them, well, what made you do this entire process? Because obviously you guys worked on it days and nights. And, and, and they said, well, first of all, we love space. And second of all, our mentor basically, he, even, he didn't even show us the way. Usually teachers are taking us by the hand and, you know, and, and writing down on the whiteboard. It, our mentor comes from physics. He has no idea about plants and biology and about everything. So he basically told us, listen, guys, if you don't solve this, let's think about a different experience. But here is the list of questions that needs to be asked. Let's try to find a solution for them. And they were the one that led the, this experiment. And, and when I understood this this. Before you go too far, are you going to tell me why the apple? Why the apple? Yes, you, keep uh, on, you brought it up twice. And I, I want to know what, why the apple? They could have done it with grapes as well, simply because it was very easy. What basically they did is that they sent a tube that had like different rooms in it. The apple was, they, they covered the, the apple with like a salty water or something like that. It yeah. kind of froze it. And what the astronaut did is that he opened one of the rooms and then a fluid came and opened this, defroze the apple yeah. for three, four days. And then he opened another room and then with another fluid that uh, uh, made the apple like, like froze again. And this is, this was oh, so, very so easy they were the, to operate, so the main, yeah. So the, uh, maybe a different word would be they, and you did a great job, but they had chambers. So they yeah, opened yeah, up they one, changed. yeah, just, just for clarity, uh, they had one chamber, it was frozen, and this way it wouldn't be oxidizing, it would be solid, then it allowed it to the water to dissipate, and now it was exposed to space, and then they refroze it again, probably to bring it back down to earth so that they could test it, correct? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Thank you, David, for, for your assistance. <laughs> well, no, I... Yeah, but, but, but I mean, think about the process. These guys are, are yeah. children. I mean, and they wrote a scientific article about it. Now, obviously, you know, it is amazing. They led the research, they led everything. And you're talking here not about gifted children. You're talking about here a, a public school in Israel in Kiryat Ivon. And we have like dozens of examples. We sent over 31 experiments into the ISS in the last five, six years. And uh, it's competition. So like to the final, we get like 10, tens of experiments each year. So, but, 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 but again, what was under, when I met these children, I realized what Rona said, because what basically I met them and then I met their teacher and what their teacher told me, told me, listen, these guys are ninth graders. They know biology much better than, than the guys that I teach on 12th grade. grade. Yeah. Or even in, in, in people, students who are doing their bachelor degree. And when I asked him, why is that? He said, well, they had to understand biology because you brought for your judging panel, for the, the judges that evaluated this project, you brought real professors that basically did them a design review and, and basically ruined our experiments and told them all of the bad things and the things they need to correct. And they gave them a genuine feedback instead of trying to teaching them because it's science, it's not education. So, and, and what I realized during this process are two things. A, um, you need to give children the, you know, the genuine right feedback in a very 
humble and uh, 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 front, humble but for, front forward way. Yeah. Um, yeah. A nice way. The second thing is that because the children really love the idea of sending an experiment into space, space inspired them. Now they competed with children who did experiments in physics, in chemistry, in material engineering, in medicine, um, all different topics. So, so it was kind of like a kaleidoscope of different subjects, of different uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, things. Dis- discip- dis- different disciplines, disciplines yes. yes. Disciplines. So, well, I, I do have to, I, I have to, is everything okay? I just heard everything crash in the background. So, no, no, everything's okay. <laughs> okay, just want to make sure. I don't want to let that go too far. Uh, okay, so the different disciplines. When when our kids were growing up, we one of the companies we owned, we would dealt with all sorts of different companies, and I would take them on field trips. So if we were going to a warehouse that was large and automated, I would bring them. If we go to a print shop, I would bring them. If we would go to a company that did construction, I would bring them. And it gives them that real life texture that something that they're working on in school or not in school has value and, and can be participatory. And so this is great. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But the thing is, again, uh, and, and and this is basically what the Ramon Foundation is doing. I, I could give you other examples from our non-space activities, but basically the idea is to use space as an inspiration of children to enable them to explore different opportunities and to work on, on you know, 21st century skills, on competencies, literacies, and character qualities. At the end of the day, we're working with a, a very nice methodology that basically forces the children to do teamwork, forces the children to understand teaching, uh, forces the children to try to explain themselves what's their value proposition for future partners, and basically force them to do something that they like to do within space, within the domain of space, within the different dimensions of space, since at the end of the day, in order to you know, space is so wide, so they can choose any discipline they, they want. And since our educators and our mentors are coming, you know, this is what we're training them, basically training them to, to forget everything they learn and only to guide these children and to give them an extra value in, in, in general science, not necessarily, you know, to, to design solar panels, but to, to basically... To ask them to look for the right experts and to do these interviews, like just like you're doing, so it, it's kind of unique. One of the things that you had uh, said to me while we were in Israel, which I thought was also amazing, is that you had emphasized to me the diversity of the student groups, the students from from age, from race, from religion, from all of those also play into it. How do you create or how does that affect how you run these programs? I have to admit that again, we're, we're working, we're very diverse in when you're looking at the, the audience in all of the, the, or the children that's participating in, in all of the, the programs, they're very diverse. Israel is, it's very fortunate to have, I think, you know, it brings also a lot of conflicts. We have ultra-Orthodox and Orthodox and 
secular like myself and Jews and Arabs. And if you're deep diving, I said, gave the different sort, types of Jews that, you know, we have ultra-Orthodox and secular and Orthodox. But in the Arabs, you have Christians and Muslims and Bedouin and Druze that are also, you know, Bedouins are also uh, Muslims, but they're quite different than the general Muslims. Um, what, what's interesting in space is that uh, there are some languages that are international, uh, arts, music, uh, sports. I mean, uh, I don't know if you're watching, but, but there is now uh, a Euro tournament uh, and there's the, the NBA finals and, you know, within a few weeks, they'll start the Olympics. So you can see sports as a national language. But uh, space is, is something that's so inspiring and so international. I think that we're also very fortunate to live in the 21st century in which international collaboration in space is, uh, is very common. I, I've, I've shared our meeting with people over the years, and I've said that one of the things that you were, you were so excited about, as you said, people don't realize that we have Jews, Christians, Muslims, Arab, we have all of these people, the students together. The, this is not a homogenetic, a singular type of educational system that the Ramon Foundation is bringing all sorts of children from a, all sorts of you, ways together. Emphasizing on the in, on you know on the common ground of curiosity and, and of inspiration, and you're emphasizing on the different you know on the our desire to give these children different literacies. And you know, and when I'm saying about literacies, I'm not, not talking only about math and 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 you know, technology is literacy, IT is literacy. You see, uh, the way to understand science is literacy. Um, and competencies and at the end of the day um you know you can go very far you can ask me ran why are you working in singapore so and i will reply to you why am i working with us well, I, we've worked with a school in, in the isle of man and, and you're asking why do you work with these guys it's because i want these children our children in israel to practice their english so the children from abroad are doing design reviews for the israeli children because at the end of the day it's a very flat world and, and the children will have to understand different languages. And here in Israel, at the end of the day, you're witnessing Arab children doing design reviews and assisting Jewish children and Jewish children from Tel Aviv walking with the children in, in Mahel or in uh, Yarka or in, uh, in uh, Kisrasmia, which are Arab villages. And, and they're talking science. And, and they are actually talking science and they are grading themselves. And then they are coming back to their classes. And the first question that their mentor is asking them is, okay, what did you learn from the meeting with the children from Tel Aviv or, or from Kisra? How do you think they are conducting their experiments? What can you learn from their process? What can you learn about yourself and, and the relationship with them? And we're kind of, uh, I would say it's, it's, it's becoming these, these differences are becoming transparent. Uh, when you're looking at the end of the day, there is the Israeli Space Week, which is usually at the end of January, and then all the children are meeting. I mean, they, they are doing, doing Zooms and they are doing phone calls and, and all sorts of things before that they are doing design reviews for. Each, each class is doing design reviews. For different, and then they're, at the end of the day, in January, they are meeting in uh, the Israeli Space Week in, I don't know, uh, Tel Aviv University or in one of the big auditoriums in, in Tel Aviv, which is the center of the country here. And, you know, it, it's, it's beautiful to see all of them are mixing 
And I don't think that, that, you know, when you're talking to them, they are not competing one against another. They're competing against themselves. And, and it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. So, so uh, let me take a jump, sorry, is uh, because I, my mind keeps on tra- moving towards how are you teaching the educators to educate? How are you structuring your environment that allows the individual teacher to thrive? I think that the first question that I ask a person that's coming to work in our education branch is this, and I'll try to ask you this, the same question. Let's okay. See. Yeah. What do you remember from school? But when I'm th- talking about school, don't tell me about your first girlfriend or about hiking. <laughs> Give me a good memory of something that you studied within the class. Uh, not, I, not going to Six Flags. Or to, 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 no, no, no. I, I, I have it in mind, but it's not. I ended up becoming very close with teachers. So I remember one of the things that I remember is in, I think it was, I don't remember. I'm not a good on dates and years, but it was my seventh grade teacher, I believe. It was a science class. And the teacher ha- talked about saltwater creatures. And after class, I ended up with him. I built a saltwater aquarium and I had fish and sea anemones and I had all sorts of saltwater creatures in my home for years because of that one experience with that one teacher who was willing and saw, was willing to partake and spend time with me, but at the same time was willing to help me to make the, to learn. So that's what I, that's one of the things I remember. I don't remember the content of the classes. I remember the experiences I often had with the teachers outside. How old were you? Seventh grade? Yeah, seventh grade. So I must've been 14. Yeah. Boom. Correct question. Correct answer. (laughs) David. (laughs) So, so so, I got, I got got one a yes. Yeah. 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 And And I'll tell you why. Um, First of all, usually what, what's interesting is that some of them, some of the mentors basically say, we don't remember. We don't remember. I said, oh, we remember something chemistry, but we don't recall anything that made us, which is, if you ask me, quite horrible. You spent most of the hours that you're awake in school, at least in Israel, when you when you're a child. Mm-hmm. And what I ask them is, okay, I want you to generate the memory of the child, of, of the children that you're going to mentor, not to teach, you're going to mentor them this year. I want you to create this memory that when they are, I don't know, 25, 30, 35, 40, 50 years old, they remember this, your class. And the second thing that I tell them, that I tell them that the best article that I read uh, since I came to the foundation, most of the, 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 the scientific articles or, or the, the, the papers that I, I read so far since I came to the foundation involved the, the space industry. But one of the most interesting paper or the most interesting papers that I read was actually written by a, a sociologist uh, who did research on the MIT alumni. Okay. Yeah. And he went to the MIT alumni and he tried to find patterns and he looked for the alumni who are doing technology and science. And that this means that if you're working in, I don't know, in Apple's in, in, in Apple or Google, but you're doing sales, 
you're not doing science or technology. Right. If you're working in Project Moon Heart and you're designing something, that means that you're doing technology. If you're working in Google and you're writing algorithms, it means that you're doing technology. And he looked for patterns uh, and he gave them these very long questionnaires and they answered all these questionnaires. He found two patterns. The first thing that was quite interesting is that the first time that these guys got inspired from science was... Uh, when they were uh, uh, younger than the age of 14. Okay. okay. The second thing is that they had a very good science teacher. Not necessarily when I'm saying a very good science teacher, not necessarily a science teacher that knew the... Right, is, is someone <laughs> who's the right place. Someone who's connected, connected. someone who inspired you them. You know, yeah. took them and built an aquarium with them, right. just like right. you said. Yeah, and 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 this study is, is a great one because you know and and uh, Bob Cabana, for example, the the Kennedy Space Center director, and he's this guy is an astronaut, uh, uh, flew aboard three different uh, uh, space shuttles, and he always saying, "Listen, my dad took me to the Smithsonian's, and I saw the the Spirit of St. Louis." And, and this, I, I thought about this aircraft and said, wow, daddy, does it really fly? And this was the time that I thought about being a pilot. And he was like, I don't know, eight or, or 10 years old. So what I'm telling our mentors is basically, guys, forget about the talks. In our programs, usually there are no lectures, no lectures whatsoever. The, the, the same, if... If this was a conversation with a PowerPoint on it, I would show you that the, the same class that my grandmother studied in Poland in 1930 is the same class that my child is going to study in, in, in Tel Aviv in 2022 with a whiteboard and, and 20 desks. Um, in our classes, we're breaking this class, the, 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 uh, uh, the environment of the class, we're working in groups, the mentor is basically going through different groups. You're allowed to use your cell phone, your iPads, whatever. And the idea here is to, to think, well, actually we're not working with lesson plans, but with different missions. And the children need to do six or seven missions throughout the years. It goes like this in every one of our programs. It doesn't really matter whether it's space level or aviators. We're doing project-based learning on the purest level. Because at the end of the day, uh, I think that you, you mentioned it previous to our call, in our conversation, uh, you study the most in your first job, uh, workplace, not in university, obviously, the yeah. first two or three months. So basically we're giving children uh, mainly tasks and mission that they can, at the end of the day, I want them to build a Gantt. I want them to do something that they like. And usually these children remember our classes. I mean, they're sending rockets, uh, sometimes, sometimes too high, and they're doing all different <laughs> things uh, uh, in this mission. Most of the Wikipedia articles in Hebrew that involve space were written by Ramon Foundation children in middle schools and high schools. Uh, basically, because we're asking children to write on whatever they, they want, let's see, let's see if you guys can do it. So this, this is how basically we... we... It's, inter it's interesting because uh, even the podcast, if you look at the structure that we have here, is I don't know anything in advance. So I come as a student and I don't have any questions in advance. So my hope, the hope is that the person who's listening to the podcast is learning alongside of me. And they at the same time might be thinking the same question that I have, 
so that I'm asking the questions for them because I don't have pre-written notes. I don't have 40 questions in front of me. And so while we can't do it in a podcast, part of the experience of the podcast is to help the listener to say, oh, I would have asked that same question. But if you have everything already known, you don't ask the same questions. So it's not exactly the same, but the this podcast series is to help people to explore something they might not have explored before. Like I'm exploring it with you. I didn't know where you were going to go with this. So th this, is, yeah, this is cool. So the mentoring, I, I like the mentoring side of it. I like that you've exposed them to their history to find that. It must be a challenge to get them to break old principles. Nah. No? Not so much. Listen, children today. Uh, no, no, I meant the adults, the, not the children. Totally. I yeah, meant no, the usually, adults. Usually, usually the problem is the teachers. That's what I meant. Is that they, we they, have a mentor and a teacher, but but at the end of the day, they, they get the hang of this. Listen, teachers are very frustrated. At least I don't know what's going on in the states, but at least here in Israel, you know, when I grew up, I grew up in the eighties, nineties. Uh, I think that it, when you grew up, you had the same. You know, the, the key question was, where does the child learn more in school or from his family? Yeah. Okay. Now, today, this question is so irrelevant. These children have all of the knowledge in the bottom of their hand. At the end of the day, they're opening their cell phone and they know everything. So uh, the only, only question here is how can we teach them to ask the right questions, to pronounce themselves in a right, to express them, the, themselves? I, you, you're absolutely, I remember once one of our sons came home and he said, I'm sitting in the classroom the teacher has a copyright 2009 or seven or 12 on it. And he said, I have more current information on my laptop in front of me than what he's teaching, which is 10 years or seven or whatever years old. And he was very frustrated because of exactly what you're saying They're, They already have the information. They want to be guided. So, okay, cool. So uh, anything else with the paradox, the president of education, or are we on to different dimensions of space? I don't know. Go ahead and take the lead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm asking you, is there anything else that any, is there one story of your, well, why don't you do so, that? So, so I'll try, what's, I'll try. what's one example that you found was the most amazing thing you've done at the Ramon Foundation to accelerate all of this? What's the one leadership thing, the thing that you took under your wing and you made happen? I didn't make have anything happen. So all the different employees. <laughs> I'm, I'm the director general. I'm mostly enabling them. I'm always laughing about the fact that um, we have at the moment 81 employees. Except really? For, okay. Yeah, except okay. except for me, and uh, and probably we have now like a chief of staff, a COO. All of them are doing education. So I'm I'm the only one that doesn't do education. Uh, so I think it's mostly the employee. I think that I'm a social entrepreneur. So my work is to enable them to fulfill them, their dreams. I can tell you that uh, these guys are amazing. These guys, I, I don't know what's, uh, I don't know how things going all across the world. I know that in Israel, there was a very big crisis for nonprofits uh, during COVID. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, at least in education, educators will, trained to do education in classes to meet their children and now they were forced to do it online and we had a phenomenal year phenomenal year i think we're going to to expand we're going to grow in in 40 50 percent next year 
I mean, the demand for our programs is, is enormous, even for kindergartens that can't do really remote uh, uh, remote education or, or programs managed to do uh, a Zoom program for, for uh, children in kindergartens, which is phenomenal. Um, so, so when you're asking me what's, what's the best thing that I did in the foundation, basically brought very good people and, and allowed them to, to express themselves. So um, let, let, let's go on then to the, the different dimensions of space. So, so I think that the entire concept of, I think we, we, we talked about the different paradigms in space education, about the fact that there are some people that think that space is a major and you study it like, like you study engineering and, and math and physics. And some of them are thinking that space is a tool because it's multidisciplinary and it can touch almost not almost, it can touch every discipline. Uh, 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 I mean, we did a conference, we have a, a yearly conference that mainly uh, it's for education, uh, the Ron Ramon uh, conference for education, space and education, we're doing it with the Israeli Space Agency. And this year we did an entire conference about the non-traditional disciplines of space. Uh, literature, arts, uh, gaming, lots of things that, that you know involved. We brought poets and, and artists and, and dancers to to kind of teach different teachers how can they use space to inspire children. Think about a, a dancing class about space. It was a blast. So no, I, I, think- I, I you are so you're so spot on that it's amazing how much it parallels what we talk about. I, I don't like this concept of space as STEM. I don't like that because how much literature has influenced our societies around the world that we're, that were involving space? How much artwork has been done that has pictured the sky and given people inspiration? How many buildings or uh, contractors have used space as a means to rethink something? So what you're doing is you're dimensionalizing space to be not space, but another dimension. It's just another part of our life. It's amazing how how similar it is to the story that we tell. So, and what's amazing here is that if you're taking, you're going 10,000 years ago, or, or, you know, even if you're looking now, I mean, uh, I never watched the stars. I never did stargazing until it came to the foundation. When I'm doing stargazing, when I'm going with friends to the Israeli desert, towards the stars, I usually ask them, how many certainties do you have in your life? I mean... What, what's certain in your life? Obviously, both of us have families who are kind of quite cent- uh, 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 certain in our lives. Again, maybe I have a language barriers. No, 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 so you're, you're, things, you're fine. So many things can change. I mean, I mean, we can change the place that we live. Uh, we can get divorced. I have no idea whether I live in Israel, with whom. I mean, in the area that I live in, there are wars every, every now and, and then. Uh, and, but there are certain things that I can assure you, and I'm always telling, I can assure you that the Northern Star, Polaris, will be in the North within 15 years from now. 
even when I'm doing stargazing with children, I'm always promising them. I tell them, I have no idea where you guys are going to be. But when you'll be in a hospice in 100 years from now, you will be able to watch the star. And, and Saturn will come around the summer and Polaris will be up on the north. And, and, and when you're going backwards and this, the skies are the same skies that our ancestors witnessed far you know, 5,000 years ago. And when our ancestors looked to the star, they were really important to them. And the reason for that is A, because they told them what time it is, yeah. the sun, yeah. and what date it is for the moon. They told them places where they are at. There were no GPS and no maps back then. So they knew how to navigate. So A, the time, the place, and also they gave the meaning of the different mythologies. There is no religion in the world that doesn't relay or reflects on stars. Uh, Christianity, Muslim, Ju- Judaism, all of them have meaning meaning, and looking for the stars. So, so when you're looking at a bit about time, place, and the philosophy and the meaning of your life, or the different mythologies, space is there throughout the years, not only in science. Now, I'm getting back to what Rona told me, that space is a way to try to inspire people to get a better version of them, to to excel themselves. And and space is so inspiring. Space is so, you know, we're talking about different dimensions. I think that I read once an article that said, you shouldn't look at at space as, uh, again, there's a language barrier here. He said, you need to look at space as a resource, as a market of ideas. Something that's to, to, to use because it's so multidisciplinary and it's so diverse, it doesn't really matter where, where you're going. At. I mean, you'll get the better version of any engineers if they'll try to do space systems because it will, they'll, it will get them off Earth into an unknown environment and they will have to be the best version of themselves. And when you're talking about physics, well, th- this one is the easiest uh, example, actually, because most of the Nobel Prizes today in physics are going to the subdomain of astrophysics. And um, this is the, the barrier of, of our knowledge is in, is in, in, in astrophysics. Uh, and these are all the traditional stuff. I mean, I, again, I come from literature and sociology. I now do lots of, of space uh, uh, technology in Israel. In, you know, a space branch, but uh, uh, this this is really out- outstanding. And what we're trying to do is basically is to exposing children uh, to, uh, uh, to to the different dimensions of space. Because at the end of the day, it's enormous and it's infinite. When people you're asking me how you know. The, the header that we gave is the different dimensions of space. So how many different dimensions are there of space, David? Hey, look, it's the age of infinite, infinite possibilities and infinite resources. So I'm going to say it's infinite. <laughs> I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. How many things are infinite in our lives? That's, a, that's an odd question. Because you could almost uh, say everything is infinite. But you, Our soul and space. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd you'd want to say that it's not. It's it's just going even going back to that question you uh, you said about you 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 took a switch on me. Uh, what what are we sure about? And 
my mind went one place, but I've written about the other is that right now I can guarantee a lot of things. I can guarantee you a year from now, it will be a year from now. I can guarantee you if I live, I'll be a year older. I can, uh, you know, we can predict a lot. No, 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 no. I ask about certainties. So, so certainty. So, uh, okay, certainties. Uh, well, a year from now, I'll be a year, a year from now, it'll be a year from now. Okay, so time is a certainty. Time I is agree. a certainty. Okay. So, uh, so there were there's a list of them, but I wonder the what you're saying now is the different dimensions of space is in terms of infinite. Uh, I, I go to molecules that there's an infinite number of molecules. There's an infinite expanding space. There's an infinite there's infinite possibilities for every outcome. I, there are a lot of infinites out there, but our minds would be challenged to accept many of them. I agree with you. I completely agree with you. They're, they're, too, they're too massive. And I, I do this experiment with people sometimes when they talk about size, scale, and scope. And I say to them, I'm going to do something with you, very short. And you do it in your own head. I say, I, I'm going to talk about five people, 10 people, 50 people, 500. 5,000, 50,000, 500,000, 5 million. And I go on and I say, I know exactly what happened. Five people could be a family, a group of friends doing. 50, uh, 15 to 20 people could be at a bar, a club, some friends, a party. You got to 50 people, you might be thinking of a small event that happened, a conference. You get to 500 people, it could be a seminar or a, a school auditorium. You get to 50,000, it could be a stadium. You get to 250. And as you go up, but once you get, past, once you get over about 100,000, about 250,000 people, all the faces disappear. You can't think of a million people. You can't think of 5 million people. You uh -huh. think of a city, you think of... So our mind doesn't have the ability at some point it has to transition to something that allows it to give meaning. Otherwise, it doesn't have meaning. So that's what I was kind of going to when you said the dimensions and, and the infinite or the possibilities. It's just it's very difficult for humankind to be able to grasp the size, scale, and scope of everything. I don't know if I answered your question. That's, you answered my question perfectly. Okay. I think, no, 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 that, that, this is truly interesting. I think that it's really easy to accept that space is infinite, much more than molecules. Because yeah. when you're going to this desert and you see the stars and, and you realize it, um, it is. It is because the molecules we can, we cannot grasp. I, I my my wife. This is a sad thing, but my wife and I were talking today, and I was thinking about how our bodies are being eaten at, and urinated on, and feces on, and all day long, our body is being attacked. The entire time we are living, there are organisms trying to destroy it, and there's organisms trying to build it, and there's trying to defend it, and there's others that are, are landing on it and saying this is new food. And, but that's so difficult to understand that our body is just moving all day long. And that was a conversation I had before I actually sat down to do this interview with you. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's challenging. Okay. So, so how do you take your dimensions? You're exposing the children to different dimensions and, uh, and you stargazed. And I, I want to get to that in a moment, but how do you get them 
to go beyond the beyond, not the normal, but to see more. I think that it's, it's quite easy with with space, much easier than, than the other things. I mean, basically, they don't teach them space in classes. They only see space in movies, which is are quite cool. And the the space space as a brand <laughs> is phenomenal. It's it's very romantic. It's very uh, uh, has some sort of mystery in it. Yeah. And what basically we're doing is that we're giving them access to it. Telling them, listen, you guys are going to meet actual people that went there because we're bringing astronauts to Israel every year. We're going to Zoom with them, at least in the last year. You can send an experiment or an envelope to space. So you're going to touch it. But nevertheless, in order to get there, you'll need to do something that's quite special if you want to go get there. Uh, and you guys can do it. I mean, basically, you're going to meet children in the world just like you that did it the previous year. And, uh, and, and we're basically training them to, to do it. We're training them to dream. Then, uh, and I, I love the idea of the dream, yet I want to take this for a second in a negative direction. Go ahead. How do you get them to see through, I'm trying to say this nicely, how much BS there is in the space industry about promises that are, un, that are, non-deliver, are undeliverable, that there are dreams that people promote as real and factual that will happen tomorrow that don't. There's a whole generation of individuals I've met who- how do you do that? How do you help them? First of all, I think that the, at least, I think that the, the problem is exactly the opposite. I think that the, the key problem or the key challenges or the main successes that we're having is with children without a dream. And, and I, I'll explain it in a bit. But I think that children today are very realistic about what's going to happen and what's not going to happen. I don't think that any of our children in the program think that we're getting to Mars in the next five years. I think that if you'll ask them and we'll do an expert talk about the Artemis program, uh, the, most of the children will say, well, it's really nice, but we don't think that timeline is correct. Um, nevertheless- how did, how, how did you help them get there? Because it, 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 I'm seriously, I have these conversations with people constantly and it's they call because of project moon hot they want to connect and then they say we're going to have a million people on mars or or f- 50,000 people in an, o- uh, an o'neill station and I, I i say to them let's do some simple math and it's amazing that adults cannot take a simple number say a million people on mars and i say let's assume that we don't get there until 2020 uh, it's 20 yeah it's 2030 that means 50, 25,000 people per year will have to go to Mars. Every year, 25,000 people pack up their homes, put everything together, get on rockets, and there's going to be, I don't know, 60, 100 so, people so, per so, rocket. It doesn't make sense, but yet these people believe it. So I'll tell you what the children do know. Okay. Uh, and, and, and what they're holding into. A, um, I remember that Avi Blasberger, the director the, of the Israeli Space Agency, when whenever he meet with children, he's telling them, listen, when I was nine years old, I heard the American president says, listen, within a decade, we'll get to the moon. 
And after a decade, I was 19 years old. I was in the Israel Defense Force and the Americans landed on the moon. Yeah. Is, which is phenomenal. You know, we, yeah. we, we talked, I think, a few months ago. And yes. uh, March last year, there was COVID. We yeah. thought it's going to close the world. And voila, science, uh, let's be fun forward, kind of kick, kicks this 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 uh, pandemic ass at the end of the day, you know, there aren't enough uh, vaccines and uh, the casualties and it's, it's horrible. Nevertheless, uh, I mean, science wins here. And uh, so this is the first one. The second thing that's interesting, at least here in Israel, is Bereshit, Space IL. I don't know if you, you I think that obviously Protocol is familiar, familiar with it, but at the end of the day, you have three people that sat in a bar with... <laughs> No, yes, Jonathan had was a, a did the satellites in, in his, his, his he worked in IAI for some time, and he reason knew something about technology and and theories comes from cybersecurity, but none of them built any satellite whatsoever, and they sketched a, 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 a basically a coke bottle size spacecraft that's going to get to the moon, and at the end of the day. Eight years after that, they managed to land the first, the first Israeli lunar lander on the moon. It was a hard landing, they crashed <laughs> yeah. on the moon, but at the end it of the day, they one, got it. Was, it was still landed, yeah. <laughs> $100 million. And, and you know, on this, this tiny spacecraft, there was a, a small sign with the Israeli flag that said, small country, big dreams. So at the end of the day, things are possible. Let's put our... You know, I'm putting now my hand on my heart. You can't see it, but uh, I'm saying things are possible. Things are really possible. And we are going, not uh, my grand-grandchildren. I'm going to see the first female lands on the moon and the first humans land on, on Mars, probably within the next decade or two decades. I don't know about the timing, but I'm going to see it. Definitely. Well, you, you're so, actually going to see a lot more than that. And I agree with you. That's what, that's what we work very, on. That's what our team works I'm on every day. <laughs> I'm very conservative. I'm very conservative. Well, no, we, we are extremely children, conservative. Children, children are realizing it, but they're realizing that the fact that things are going to happen at the end of the day. Nevertheless, I think that they're really smart because at the end of the day, uh, at least the children today i think that they know right and wrong much better than than our generation and i think what they they know what realistic and not really and uh yeah i think that at least in israel uh we have a very innovative uh country i mean uh i assume that you know this we have this highest percentage of startups per capita highest percentage of uh, high-tech employees in the labor force, highest percentage of patents per capita. So people are really innovative. And the way that, you know, that the Jewish mom used to, at the beginning of the 20th century, to, to wish her son will be a doctor or a lawyer. Today, what she wants is her son to do an exit. An exit means he <laughs> yeah, sell his startup <laughs> to a global company. And my, make my, mom, my mom still wants me to be a doctor, so I... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is, we have a, a very good friend and, and he's volunteering with the foundation. He was 
good, very good friend of the Amon family, Gareth Riesman. He's a Jewish astronaut who worked in SpaceX also. And he always saying, listen, when I came to space, my mom kind of asked me, well, are you going maybe to, to apply for medical schools to be a doctor? Do you have a backup plan? Yeah, yeah. So, so but, but uh, uh, I mean, this means that, that, that our culture basically doesn't force you, but encourage you to, to make technology breakthrough for the better of mankind, whether it's on med- medicine, agri-tech, food tech, fashion tech, space, whatever. So things are possible here. Things are possible. It's mainly de- dependent on them. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're thinking about the process that these ch- children are looking at, you know, basically telling them on, on we, we fo- mainly focused on Ramon Space Lab, the one that's sending experience into to orbit. If you would catch these children when they're coming to eighth grade and you tell them, listen, within two years, you're going to send something into space, they wouldn't believe you. But at the end of the day, they are sending it. So they are breaking barriers. I think that space is breaking barriers. Uh, there is something inherent in space because it's outside of our environment. We are the first species on the history of our planet to manage to live the Earth atmosphere into outer space. We're the first ones to send probes into other plants to land a human on the moon, which is, which is extraordinary. Whenever I'm talking to children, I'm talking about Yuri Gagarin, I'm saying, do you realize in 4.5 billion years, no species, dinosaurs, birds, whatever, managed to leave the atmosphere, to exit gravity? And mankind did it with our minds. So th- there are really no limits. And, and this is what this is part of the ma- magic in space. And, and I think when you're talking about the dimension of space, it's mainly, mainly, mainly not in engineering, but in, in the way that we think of it. I mean, when I met you for the first time, what do you think that I saw? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'd be interested to hear. I didn't saw, I mean, Project Moonhunt isn't the engineering. No. You talked about Roger Bannister. Yeah, the Roger Bannister. Sp- wow, very good. Yes, the Roger Bannister space. Once and we broke the mental barrier, we everybody did it. Yeah. That it's not, the, it's not, I don't even remember. He ran for one mile, two kilometers. How much did he run? Uh, uh, he broke the mile in broke the mile. Just, just shy very 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 shy and i don't even know the exact numbers maybe i should of the it was it was said it was physiologically and sociologically physiologically and so um physiologically and mentally yeah. uh impossible to break the one minute mile and once he did right after it other people broke it because they knew it was possible yeah so basically what, what you basically said listen the 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 track is not physical <laughs> Yeah, it's not physical. Yeah, I mean, you you can look at the, you know the the track and the sand on it or, or, or whatever the cement or I don't know what what was on Benister's. Uh, I, I I I I probably should look these things up, but no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but I mean, this, this is what I remember, and the fact that you you drew a lot of wrote a lot of notes, but that at the end of the day. I mean, it's 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 what's beneath it. When, that, when that, that, <laughs> I drew a lot of notes, that's what I'm known for. I'm taking notes constantly. Okay, uh, okay, that's cool. That's interesting that you did. 
what else was it? I mean, it was the mental side that we were going to do something different. It's because I'm not a space person at all. I, I and I'm even amazed that you're well, doing stargazing. Listen, I'm people now. Now I had a, I, I was, I had a conversation with uh, in Balkreis, in Bali, the, the the senior space woman in Israel, space engineer in Israel. Uh, uh, she's amazing. I think she's was involved and in charge of like sending multiple satellites into space, dozens of them, Earth observation, communication, Bereshit, everything. And every time that I speak to her, and I, I have, we have a very, she, she's now heading of the scientific technology committee of, of the Rakim mission, the second Israel in space mission. And uh, the Ramon Foundation operates, which is a very interesting uh, um, endeavor. And uh, and I'm always telling her, listen, in Bal, I'm not a space person. And she's like, she wants to rip my head off. And she's like, you are a space person, Juan. You've been doing this for six years. Uh, you're an ISU alumni. And we're now bringing the ISU to do an executive space course here in Israel. Yeah. You're hosting uh, 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 conferences. You're inspiring people. You're doing education. You're working with lots of entrepreneurs. You're working with lots of space companies here in Israel. You, you are not a space engineer. Everything is okay. But you are a space person, David. You're a space person. No, but see, I think, I think you have the same... Th- Tell me if I'm wrong. When I say that, I'm saying I don't wake up in the morning and say, oh my God, I want to live on another planet. Oh my, it would be amazing if we were in space. I wake up in the morning and I say, with what we're working on, we have six mega challenges in this world today, and I believe that space will solve Earth. The endeavors, the innovations, the technology, the uh, applications, the groundbreaking thinking, all of those things that we're doing are the only thing in my mind that will solve the challenges we have on Earth that are, addre- that are coming like a tsunami and a tidal wave, however you want to address it, into our future. And to me, this is a means to an end. It is, the, it is something bigger than what we're working on. So yes. I don't, that's the way I look at it. I don't look, I think that we can. If you would discover that the answer for all of these questions, these six challenges are, are the ocean, for example. Mm-hmm. Would you be an ocean person? No, that's my point. I wouldn't be an ocean person. So I think so. So, so again, I think that what resembles us, what's what what we can agree on, and, and I think most that space is not again in Hebrew. It's a, space is not matara. It's not a goal. It's not a target. Correct. It's, it's an instrument. It's, it's something that we we we're using. It's beautiful. I love space. I love to do stargazing. I love to watch space movies. I love to yeah. Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I love it. But 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 again, it's we're not in love with it in the fact that that you know we think this is like this is the 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 the. It's an instrument. It's, I, and, and that's exactly, I say it's a tool. The, the bigger intention is if we have infinite possibilities and infinite resources, if we see the world as infinite, then we don't have d- scarcity and abundance. We don't have to fight one another the same way, that there's a bigger playing field. We have the, the concept you've heard about mirth, moon and earth, is that we're expanding. We've got everything we need. And those innovations can cl- solve climate change. 
mass extinction, uh, displacement, uh, unrest, uh, explosive impact, ecological damage, all of those, I believe in my heart of hearts, that by addressing what we're doing at Project Moon Hunt and meeting you, you are one of our, you're part of our story, is that it will come back. Those innovations will turn back on earth and they will solve. They will give the answer to what someone had never thought of before because they have to paradigm shift. They have to think differently. It will solve the challenges we have on earth because nothing I see out there is working. Nothing, we're, we're 200 species a day are dying, going extinct. We are, we are not cleaning our uh, oceans. I agree with you. And I think that uh, at the end of the day, humanity or modern humanity always progress. I don't yep. know yep. any culture in the history of our species that gave up on better technology. It gave up on better technology. Usually we're adopting new technologies and we're embracing them. Um, so at the end of yes. the day, I don't think that we'll be able to step back from the, the way that we're living now. So we need to proceed into other plans. So, so let's, take, let, let's take this third one. Space fulfills our purpose in life. I, I couldn't I, I wait. Just I, like, like to, yeah, to, where, to, where do you take that? Draw, to draw a circle of the, the education and the, 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 of the, the edu space education and, and to, to the different dimensions. So you mentioned that space can answer you know, the, the resources that the planet is growing and everything. And I, I would just like to emphasize that it's also very good for, for, the, for, for education and for inspiration. Because at the end of the day, if you're talking about competencies, literacies, and uh, character qualities, you need to form uh, education programs for children that will be for a global world that's changing, that's very interdisciplinary because we want all disciplines to, in, to be included in. Very international because at the end of the space fits it like a glove because, you know, as we mentioned before, music, science, sports are, are yeah, everything. International. And also intercultural. Yeah. And what I like about, you know, the, these are actually the three three eyes, I think, of the, the ISU, the International Space University. Uh, but, but I think that I can see them in our day-to-day -day with the with educators uh, and with children here in Israel uh, that basically you can see how they can find themselves in this domain they can express themselves it doesn't really matter from which which domain they are coming or what do they like they always find the room for themselves which is important um, and purpose yeah what's your purpose in life Uh, it, it's a good question. Uh, I received one of those internet emails one day that said, uh, ask questions, what's the most valuable thing in life? And it was friends, it was family, it was all. And the last one was to uh, life's experiences. And in my case, I would say that one of my purposes is to experience the, the experiences I'm capable of having so that I can fulfill what I'm potentially capable of doing. What do you want to fulfill? Uh, my my head doesn't stop. It wants to it wants to experience, and so the fulfillment to me the it, it comes in various forms. It could be well, on my birthday. I'm very private. I don't tell people about my birthday. I don't like to go out. I don't like to do so. That fulfills me. But when I see a major project, 
my heart, my mind says, let's complete that. Let's make that happen. So there's an energy and an excitement that I believe that my life is about making something happen. I believe it's, in, it's built into me. It's wired into me. And that's, that fulfills me. It's, that's, it, that's, that's it. It's very simple. I, I don't have a complexity. If there's a tree outside, I just trimmed their trees. They're about uh, 15 meters high and some of them are 20 meters to 25 meters high. I have all, ch I have two chainsaws. I have all the gear and I can spend three weeks trying to figure out how to do it. And then it fulfills me that I've accomplished it. Do you see yourself as an educator? Absolutely. Why is that? Uh, maybe I, I would say that I do because of the way people ask me and refer to me and learn from me and by the behaviors in which I exhibit, I am an educator. So when I met you, I believe I gave you paid to think. I don't know. I gave you a copy of the book. I did that with a lot of people. Maybe I didn't do it with you, but my, I want to give and help people to see anew and if someone asks me something, I taught at NYU, New York University for 12 years, the students would, we would sit for lunch and, and after hours, because it wasn't about the money. It was about the ability to transfer knowledge and help somebody to see or experience their own capabilities. And I learned so much from these students. It was absolutely through the roof phenomenal that I have used my entire life. So I see myself, I don't call myself an educator, but I believe that that's what people see me as. And I believe I do it by nature, by who I am. Did I that's say that okay? I have, I have a very much more simple uh, okay. way to describe education. I think, I think the education obviously is a lifelong learning experience. And I think that if you're making an impact on people, um, you're an educator. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, my, my first... When I was 28, seven, I ran for, I was the, the biggest, I was the chairman of the biggest uh, student body board in Israel, uh, like a student union with lots of protests here in Israel and all sorts of things. And, and when, 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 when I ran into office, you know, this, this very interesting and, and emotional campaign. What I told the people is that uh, I'm not interested in, in you know, advocating for, for students in Tel Aviv University, the biggest university in Israel. I'm interested in educating them. I want the, the Israel's next engineers, mathematicians, lawyers, doctors, business persons, whatever, uh, to be more involved in their community. And I don't think that they uh, learning in their bachelor degree three or four years, think that they have to take a social act, whether it's going to demonstration or a volunteer somewhere. And this is my main goal. So I'm not looking at myself as a, an, an advocate or as a representative of the students. I'm not interested in it. I'm interested in educating. Um, so, so I think that when, I think that if you're a consultant, Obviously, you're educating people. Uh, if you're trying to, to, but they, well, then then you you can you can include you as a parent. You're an educator. If you if you're a student, and you tell if you if you educate improperly, you're an educator. If you if you educate with malice, 
So I would what's, say, what's improper? What's so, improper? Um, I, when I think of improper is that you're doing it as a means to do something wrong. So you educate somebody. What's wrong? Uh, so that they harm themselves, that they, you teach them in a way that could be harmful to them. I think, I think anything is teaching. That's all like, teaching. That's, that's all teaching, day. though. Um, um, uh, I need to wake up tomorrow morning and I need to interview a new uh, employee to the foundation. And yeah. it's basically to approve her because because yeah. the team already accepted her and like I'm the last barrier. And what I asked uh, the program manager is I asked her, uh, the girl's name is Ophir. Maybe she'll listen to this uh, podcast. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but what, what, what I asked the, uh, her manager is, uh, okay, so tell me, do you think you can work with her? So she said, well, yes. Do you think you can educate her? And she's like, no, I don't want to educate her. No, 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 Dana, you didn't understand this, I told her manager. Do you think within a year from now, when I'll meet her next summer, and I'll ask her, how was your first year at the Ramon Foundation? She will say, I learned a lot. I improved my professional work. I improved myself as a character. I'm in a very much better position in my life than it was a year ago. And I told her, Dana, forget about, you know, the, the family issues or, I don't know, a car can hit her. Okay. But in, in, in her, will the Ramon Foundation do good for her? And Dana told me, her future manager told me, yes, I can work with her and I can assure that I'll improve her professional approach and and her performance and and she'll have a very good time here so i think dana is doing will do some sort of an education not in a formal way she's not going to teach her mm, base engineering but obviously she's going to work so, with her and and, and improve herself so 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 when it so, sorry, David, you were saying? No, no, I see. I, 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 agree, I agree with what you've just said, and I agree that that is, could be defined as education. The challenge is, is to have impact on people kind of confuses me because you could sit in a room and design a new widget, and you have impact on people. You can put down a beautiful road that someone can drive their car and be safe, and you can have impact on people. So I, I think human, a human that interacts or does something in society okay, okay, impacts okay. I'll people. I'll rephrase, I'll rephrase. Did you understand it's what I'm saying? And I, I, it's not, it's, no, 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 no. I, I was gonna, wait, 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 wait. Like, it's more like influence, okay, influence I, on the people around you. Okay, but that was not, that was, that was, I have a friend who was, I speak Spanish and I would always say, uh, I'm not sure. And I would say, I don't know, you speak incredibly well. And one day he stopped me and he said, David, Stop it. He said, when you say something I don't understand or is improper, I will help you. But tell me what you want to say first and then the other way. I think you speak incredibly well. You have an amazing vocabulary. I think that in this case, impacting yeah. people was just not the right selection. It's not yeah. that you're when not I was capable. 18. When I was 18, I did before my army service, I went to Ireland and I did a trip on my own. So I went into an Irish pub in a lovely city in the, the west part of the country, Punamera. Yeah. And I had, a, I had a drink there. And I met with the, the you know, Irishmen, uh, amazing people. You come alone and they become your friend in, in 10 minutes. And I told them, uh, you know, at the beginning, I have kind of shitty English. 
So they told me, why is that? So I thought, well, I have no vocabulary and no grammar. And they told me, well, so do we. Yes. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> so. And I, I often, for my, a friend of mine who is uh, Irish, I will take her Scottish. I will, I will take my English. I will put it into Google Translate. So it comes up in Scottish and I can't even read the words. And I send it to her and she's always laughing because I have no clue what's been said. So yeah, you have an amazing language, uh, you have an amazing so, language anyway. barrier. So in the word of impact, I think for you, you're bigger or different than that. So, okay. So, so, so we, we talked a little bit about education, about the way that we, we want to influence the people that are around us. And now I'll ask you something that's also part of your day-to-day job, leadership. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a leader? I, I don't like these words, but I do lead. Yes. Okay. And I lead all the time, but I don't like words like that because I think they, they leadership and management. I talk about in the book paid to think because people will say, I'm not a leader. I'm a manager. I'm like, how do you manage if you don't lead? And how do you lead if you don't manage? Can it, you it, educate it, without lead? leading? Can you educate without leading? Yes. Okay. Can you lead without being on front? Yes. So you can educate without leading, you think? You can, they're not, those words don't go together, but you can, you can lead from the back very easily by giving people the tools that they need so that they can be in front. You can educate without having, you can help someone learn something just by sharing. It doesn't have to be that you're educating in the same formal. You share something with somebody. I think again, maybe I chose the wrong role. Okay. You can't lead without guiding. Okay. That's different. Can you lead without guiding? Probably not. You probably have. You can't can't guide without leading. Okay. I, I would accept that more. Yes. And, and yeah, I think it's, it's better than, than educate. Uh, I, and I think that at the end of the day, uh, what, what I loved about the late Ona Ramon, uh, she passed away in, in December of 2018, uh, is that her leadership was something out of this world. She was like uh, uh, enabling leadership. Everyone around her grew. She was the leader, for sure. She, she guided us through, but everyone around her grew. And I think that at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, we, we don't choose the date that we are born. We don't even choose the, our name. Our parents choose it. And, and if you want, we can change it eventually. But, but most of the things in our lives, except for obviously the stars and, and the laws of physics, are, uh, are uncertain. Yeah. So I think what, what the, the purpose in our lives is, is to try to, to, to make ourselves and others around us a better version of them, themselves. So, and you so believe we, space will do that? I believe that space will do that. I think that in, in, in what we are doing now in the foundation is very interesting because we are transforming. And basically, we are taking everything that we try to do in education, which is to enable people, and also some very interesting uh, uh, 
cornerstones of, of, of the, our non-profit that, that I kind of got from the Ramon family and that we're trying to do the same now with uh, entrepreneurs. I mean, if you would ask me what you're trying to do with children, I'm trying to make them realize their dreams and to fulfill it. Uh, and what we're trying now to do is to do it as well with space engineers and space researchers, and in, 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 which is quite interesting. Um, and that's, that's, that's remarkable. So, so when you're asking me about what I like in space is that I can find my purpose in life within this domain, in my position at the moment, the Ramon Foundation. I, I'm not an educator. I'm, I'm enabling people and I'm not a space technologist. I'm not an engineer. Nevertheless. Wait, wait, wait. You know, do you not think, I'm going to turn this, do you not think you're educating me? Oh, I'm, 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 I'm completely think that I'm influencing and I'm guiding and I'm, that I'm educating day to day. I think that but you, it's I'm, amazing. I'm measuring because... myself every birthday. My, I, my birthday is at the end of May and my wife's birthday at the, at the end of May. So we're going to a hotel without children and we're sitting in and we're trying to conclude the year and to set goals for the next year, which is quite interesting. Yeah. And we're always <laughs> asking, uh, what did we learn? What do we want to learn? And whether we manage to touch an influence, not to teach. In Hebrew, it's like the same thing. But, but uh -huh. again, yeah. whether we manage to influence the, the people who are around us. And when I'm talking about the people who are around us, I'm not necessarily talking about our children, our brothers, our father and mother. I'm talking about, you know, our co-workers, our friends, our neighbors, uh, whether we manage to, to assist them. And, and yeah. the great assistance that you can give someone is not to give them, a, 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 I don't know, Sugar when when he's he needs sugar for his tea, you know. Yeah. Uh, my neighbor just ask, ask me, but but to try to to assist him with something that uh, that he he is eager to learn or he wants to learn or doesn't wants but needs to learn. So I, I'm thinking that I'm I do educate. Uh, nevertheless, but, but the interesting I education in classes. <laughs> no, but the <laughs> inter the interesting thing about your the the, the sentence space fulfills our purpose in life is that you almost have the same hesitancies that I have. You don't want to be called an educator, but you do guide, you're teaching me right now. I'm, I've got 11 pages of notes that I've taken. You've, you've made me look at things a little differently. You educate, you work with other people, but you don't like these certain constructs, these certain words, these certain terms that confine you to us to being who you perceive yourself to be. And you do exactly what I do. You deflect. And yet we're both sitting in that same seat because it doesn't fulfill us. The terms, I th well, in my mind, I won't talk for you. The term being an educator, and that's not against educator, educators, it doesn't fulfill me. I need something else. And that it fulfills somebody else when they, you're an artist, it fulfills you. So I think you have that uh, I same. Think, I think that at the end of the day, uh, I think that we're doing education and guiding uh, throughout our years, whether we want it or not. I think that I'm not doing it as a profession. I think that in the foundation, I don't teach children. Uh, but but teaching, but to, educator could be anything. Educating yeah, no, no, up, no. down, sideways, I'm, I'm vendors. Enabling. I'm enabling <laughs> and I'm guiding all, all of the mentors and the program managers. I completely 
Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. You deflect it again. So space for, for other people, not you and I, for, for other people, you believe that space will fulfill humanity's purpose in life? Or does it, does it just, it, it I think that space, space, when you're looking in, 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 you know, 10,000 of years from now is not nice. Something that's nice to have. It's, it's necessary to live. Yes. I think this is what humanity lacks now or un- doesn't really understand it. When, when I listen to, to different people that are visionary about space, um, throughout history, from Tsiolkovsky, from Brown, uh, to Elon Musk nowadays, uh, you realize that these guys understand what most of the governments and most of these startups and, and scientists don't realize. Mm-hmm. The fact that space is necessary to live. And I think that in, you know, at, at the end of the day, you... I want at least to touch my family, my community, my country, and, and, and humanity. I think that I'm a part, not a significant part, but, but a small part of a very big movement that's trying to amplify the fact that, that we need to do much more space research, much more space exploration than we are, because at the end of the day, it will matter more than other fields. And I think that the different dimensions of, of doing space, whether it's philosophy, astronomy, engineering, science, you name it, uh, can benefit mankind much more than, than other, other fields. Can I, can I help? Can I possibly guide you to add one other thing? Go ahead. It don't, could you add to improve life on earth or life for all species? We all, it's always about humans. I agree but with you. We, I agree we do, with you. It's, that's, that is built into our tagline, our, our motto. It's to improve life on earth and within mirth for all species. And the second one, you hit, you said, you said exactly the words, which is amazing. Space is about science, research, and exploration. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I think space is about Earth and all species on Earth having a future. That's why it's called mirth. I believe if we focus on research, exploration, and space instead of, instead of, which it is an expansion of our Earth space into the moon and out, that we are act, we're going to create a new ecosystem, a new economic system. We're going to create this new future where there's no scarcity. There's more land, there's more opportunity, there's more um, new materials out there, there's new ways of doing things. And that is transformative. And that's what we work on. And I, you, you, you don't realize how much a part of this you've been from that one conversation in 2017. So if we focus on space exploration and research, we're gonna go to a further planet and put another rover or another lander. If we, if we could focus on expanding the earth's to moon and create mirth then then we've just we've blown the, now there's infinite possibilities now we've expanded that's our, in my mind that's the next step i see you <laughs> you're amazing and i i honestly i appreciate you being here i've i 
I pick in my mind, I look for, we look for uh, interviews and in that will fulfill a need that we're getting to. And I wanted you on, not earlier, I wanted you on about now because we're moving into the phases where uh, we want to see the world not as, we want every class on earth to have a little bit of space is what we call it. That I grew up with through all my education, I probably had three hours of space and maybe a day of sciences with the planets or two. And I think every class on every planet and every school in every place all over the world, a teacher should take a day or two or three and teach the psychology of space, the art in space, the literature in space, dancing in space, uh, new materials in space, uh, flora in space, and, and everybody teach space. And you are to some degree, I'm gonna call it a role model, it's not the word, it's, it's somebody to reach up to because you've done such an amazing job. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I honestly believe that you'll you could ask people I've you brought up your name and and what you've done and you've brought children around the world to together. I think you've done an amazing job and I appreciate the work you're doing and I I'm hoping with Project Moon Hunt where we're going you will continue to be a, a part of our little bit of space. Because every every class 5.2 million schools on this planet everybody taught a little bit of space, the world would be a different place. Thank you so much for your kind word, David. It's, it's a true honor always to talk to you. I always learn something new and I'm also taking notes. <laughs> also took notes as, as we spoke. I don't think as many notes as you did, uh, but uh, you're very kind and, and I love the, the concept that you're promoting, that we're promoting. Yes, and, we're uh, promoting. And it's, it's and I'm going, I'm going to hold you too. Remember in that one day, you said whatever you need when we go to the uploading and sharing and doing that you would be a part of that. And I planned on holding you to that when we get to that. So I'm so honored that you took the time today, your night, my day to spend the time with us to share some of your thoughts. I, I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, with that said, the I would like to say that I want to thank anybody who is listening in, taking time out of your day to listen to this discussion. And I hope that you learned something today that will make a difference in your life and the lives of others to change how we live on this planet. And once again, the Project Moon Hut Foundation is where we look to establish a box with a roof and a door on the moon, a moon hut. And we want to do this through the accelerated, accelerated development of an Earth and space-based ecosystem. So we're building a platform. We're building tools to make this happen. And then to use those endeavors, the paradigm-shifting thinking that we just spoke about, those innovations and turn them back on Earth to improve how we live on Earth for all species. And with that said, uh, Ron, what's the number one best way for someone to get a hold of you? Email me. Oh, do you LinkedIn. LinkedIn? What's your, what's your, what's your LinkedIn? LinkedIn. LinkedIn See, to email me in LinkedIn. That's the best. Run live nights. It's written on the, so it, and the spelling is R-A-N-L-I-V-N-E. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Just make sure. And we'd love to connect with you. You can reach me at David at moonhut.org. You can connect with us on Twitter at, at Project Moon Hut. We are on LinkedIn. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram at Project Moon Hut. And so for that, uh, I'm David Goldsmith. And thank you for listening. <laughs>